boy oh boy do we have a show for you. Ralph finally watches Outcry. 24-7 releases their top 50 college football players. Notre Dame drops USC and Stanford and joins the ACC. The Pac-12 cracks the NFL Top 100. New commitments in the conference. Gorilla Bears is infiltrated by the deep state. And two wild Pac-12 stories that you must hear. He's Ralph Amston. I'm George Reister, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. Thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles the podcast for Pac-12 fans, by Pac-12 fans, where we shoot it to you straight. We don't sugarcoat anything. Make sure that you guys leave a five-star rating, despite what Ralph says. And if you want to get a hold of us, shoot us an email. I'm mad. I-M-M-A-D at unafraidshow.com. Make sure that you subscribe. Make sure that you tell two, three, four, five friends. Over the next seven weeks, we're giving away two $50 Amazon gift cards each week. All you have to do is leave a rating and then tweet it out or send it out to your Facebook or Twitter followers and make sure that you tag the Pac-12 Apostles or the Unafraid Show to be entered in. Just when you think it's safe to record an episode of the Pac-12 Apostles, John Canzano of the Oregonian breaks a huge story about the Pac-12 and its pay-for-play relationship with the LA Times. We recognize this. We're getting way more details on it, and we will cover it in an emergency podcast episode on Friday. Ralph, man, a lot going on in the conference in the last seven days. I mean, how are we supposed to get all this in? I don't know, man. I'm just looking forward to the day when we can talk about games again and overlook some of the wackiness that happens when there aren't any games to look forward to. Yeah, everybody thought that there would be nothing to talk about, but it has been crazy. Um, And next episode, we are going to reveal our least favorite fans of each Pac-12 team. And the reason why this came up is because Ralph saw a picture of Post Malone on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he had a Utah Utes hat on, and it seemed very random. Are we going to go least favorite or least likely? Like, are we going to invent invent fan? Like, if Vin Diesel is a Stanford fan, (laughs) (laughs) right? Yeah. So, least likely fan of each Pac-12 team. Um, Yeah. So, we're going to talk about that next episode, and but we're going to start here. ASU is redshirting their entire swimming team, Ralph, because of COVID. How how does this happen? You're you're down in Arizona. What's going on? I think that it's probably what the entire United States should be doing. We should all be taking a redshirt year. Um, I realize it's a difficult decision for everybody, what they're going to do with their kids, what people are going to do with their education, what athletic directors and coaches are going to do with their teams, what conference commissioners are are, are going to be forced to do as far as some of the decisions that they're going to make. I respect how difficult everything is for everyone right now. Uh, personally, on my end, um, and, and I waffled back and forth on this for several weeks, but 
I sat all four of my kids down this morning and we told them you're taking a gap year. We, I, I am redshirting my kids, George. <laughs> all four of my kids are a year young for their grade. And we have an opportunity. Yeah, basically, we went and picked up the laptops for all the kids. We looked at the schedules and everything that was expected of us. They want these kids to be online for like six to eight hours a day, Monday through Friday. I got four kids. They're going to be in one room. They're all going to be on the computer at the same time. And I'm, I'm, I'm to expect them to sit still for six to eight hours, everybody on the computer, while my wife has her job at home on the computer because they sent her home for the year. And I'm on the computer doing what I do. It's going to be absolute madness. And uh, and I'm, I'm just not sure that we can make it happen. Um, I had to take all those things into consideration. I decided to redshirt my kids. And maybe I was a little bit inspired by Bob Bowman and Ray Anderson and ASU Swimming. But that that was highly irregular. Um, and uh, I know that, you know, ASU Wrestling was the, was the one that really had their shot at a national championship taken away from them through, you know, uh, COVID ending seasons early and everything. And it's very interesting to see that the swim team is just going to kind of take the year. Um, and as a society, maybe that's what we should be doing. Maybe everybody should just be taking a year because we didn't do what it, what, what it took to make sure that this was gone. Um, you know, and despite what people like Michael Porter Jr. are out here saying, it's very real. It's not being used to control the population. If you wanted to control the population, you would let kids go to government-run schools where you could tell them what to think, not make sure that they have to stay at home all day watching Freedom Lovers 6969 YouTube videos about conspiracy theories. But if everybody agreed to redshirt and we maybe invested as a society in service projects or other things to just kind of get get ourselves right in the meantime, um, if everybody agreed to redshirt, then you wouldn't have a situation where you have like a backlog of scholarships at every single school. You know, oh, that's true. Everybody would still be on on uh, even playing field for the most part. There'd be there'd be problems with it, but. You know, I, I think this is a pretty good approach because you're taking control of a situation when everything has felt pretty helpless and, and out of control for the last few months. Um, at the same time, it's definitely weird. I'll give you that, man. Another thing, according to Bruce Feldman, I'm just here. I'm just peppering you with stuff right now. You you have no idea what I'm getting ready to say okay. uh, earlier today. Uh, Pac-12 athletic directors voted to start the 20-hour rule on Monday. That's the rule that the coaches can only be around the players 20 hours, even though it amounts to way more than that. Although California schools still haven't been approved to train indoors to lift, the Pac-12 presidents are expected to vote on it Friday. I think the 20-hour rule right now is stupid because if athletes are going to be the only ones on campus, um, not to say that it needs to be organized activities or whatever, but I mean, if, if we're going to try to salvage football and we're going to say that these kids are special and it's going to be a different era, we need to amend some of these NCAA rules and allow for, you know, we, we need to allow for some more time and for some of that time to be dedicated to, um, just group activities that don't have anything to do with football. Just keep these kids together, um, so that they're not out you know, pulling a Lou Williams and going to magic city for chicken wings. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that it's definitely not 
it, it's a uh, sports is an industry that's obsessed with fairness. Um, maybe more so than most other places, uh, you know, and, and that's the nature of the game. So it's got to be absolutely killing California based coaching staffs to know that they're not on an even playing field with everybody else right now. Um, I know that the high school coaches that I deal with on a daily basis, all they ever talk about is, well, they have this and we don't. And, um, you know, when livelihoods are at stake and million dollar checks are at stake and championships are at stake on that level, you know, I, I, I'd be willing to bet that everybody in California is going nuts right now. Oh, for sure. For sure. Because they are the one California are the people who are really, really at risk right now. And I don't know what what happens if the California schools can't play. But then the rest of the Pac-12 can. That would be that would be a disastrous situation. Um, Speaking of not playing the Pac-12, Notre Dame is moving to the ACC. That means even though the Pac-12 had already moved to conference games, that means uh, USC Stanford. I'm sorry, USC Notre Dame, Stanford Notre Dame won't be happening this year. But the, the reason why that's notable is the ACC, the Notre Dame is in the ACC for every other sport except for football, which they've always been an independent. And now you're looking at this is going to mean way more money for them. Because that ACC, the ACC network is a real thing and they are pumping out a lot of money, which would make Notre Dame a lot more money. I know they value their games against like Michigan, Stanford, USC, but this could be a real thing and we could see those rivalries die, Ralph. I don't know if we'll see them die. I mean, is the Texas, Texas A&M rivalry dead? Even though they quit playing each other, I don't think it is. Yes, think yes, it's dead. Like, how could it not be dead? Well, that's if a you rivalry. Don't play, it's because, dead because it's a rivalry driven by people in their fifties and sixties, anyway. Like the rival, uh, the rivalry isn't going to die on the vine immediately. It's going to happen over time as generations of of people who carry that hate in their heart move on into the afterlife. USC Notre Dame is going to be a thing as long as we've got, you know, Korean war vets walking around. Bro, it doesn't make sense. It you you can't say it's a rivalry if you don't play. If if you Texas Texas A and M is not a rivalry, they don't play. The, those are just two teams in the same state who compete for recruits. That's all they are right now. I mean, and so if if Stanford and if Stanford and Notre Dame stop playing, USC and Notre Dame stop playing, the the rivalry's dead. I mean, like, granted, if they put them on every other year and alternate them in, because if they join the ACC, they're going to be playing nine conference games. Well, no, 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 sorry, eight, eight, eight conference games, and then how do you then fit in your ACC schedule? Fit in USC, Notre Dame, and Michigan, and oh, and then Navy too every single year. That'll that'll be a hella schedule, even though the ACC is garbage right now. I think you could still keep keep up some semblance of a rivalry, and and, and even you know um, that old adage, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Um, you know, people people will be more fond of the rivalry if maybe you switch it off to every other year. I think you could still carry it. I don't think it needs to be every year. 
Yeah. Uh, see, I, I don't think it needs to be every year, but it does need to be very frequent. Um, do you believe that schools? Well, I believe I'll say I believe schools are making a mistake trying to return to classes like they're doing in Arizona at Arizona in Arizona State. At the same time, you're trying to start football. I, I think that makes no sense at all because a New York Times article came out today talking about that there have been over 6,300 coronavirus cases uh, tied to about 270 college colleges and 14 deaths as well. Um, most of them are on Greek Road in terms of the cases. There have been people who have been working at the school, uh, everything from construction to, to students and all this. Um, and you're looking at college kids who, well, the schools haven't even started yet. You're looking at college kids who are inherently irresponsible because they're young. They're, and they're varying degrees of risk. So if you're going to have in-person classes, all it really takes is a few irresponsible people because we know how this spreads. And instead of having thousands of people have it, you're going to have millions of college kids because some people are going to be being irresponsible. Like you just can't account for that. So if you're trying to, so the football season should be pushed back to like mid October. That way, even the people on quarter system, they can get in, see what's going on, figure out how to keep the athletes safe the way the schools can get their money. Cause we know that this is about the money. So that's what the optimal scenario is in my mind. I um, I think that you, you probably have more of an ability to move the season around in college than you do you know, a lot of the high school stuff that I'm dealing with right now because by the time you get to college, you're specialized. So you play one sport for the most part. So, I mean, and when I say for the most part, I mean the overwhelming majority. Um, could one season cut into another? Could it result in some facility issues and staffing issues yeah but i mean i I think you probably shift everybody around this is it's tough man i i I saw a graph and i don't have it pulled up in front of me so if it ends up not being true i apologize i I don't i typically i have a pretty good memory um for these things but i remember back in may when and i'm gonna get accused of being a sheep or or uh, subscribing to fear porn. Honestly, I don't care. Like I, at this point, I just don't, I'm not afraid. I've never been, I've never been less afraid of anything. I'm at peace with my maker. I worry about other people and I'm horrified by the idea that people, um, you know, are hypoxic and alone in the end. That's, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people who are out there saying that this virus is overblown, but it's not overblown for those people who are dying alone with, without their families around them to be able to say uh, goodbye. You know, I'm just, I'm fed up, dude. I just, I, I, I don't know what to say anymore um, because we're just, we, we haven't been on the same team about this. 150,000 American deaths in five months with COVID-19 is a direct or underlying cause. 
and people on Twitter who definitely, you know, I wrote this yesterday, who definitely yell at their spouse in real life when they misplace their own car keys are mad at sports journalists and people like us, commentators, for decisions that athletic governing bodies are making to push sports out. You're talking about moving sports to October, and they're mad at people like us for even suggesting it. They're saying that we're pessimists and that and that this whole thing is our fault. You know, they're blowing up at us in the media for asking questions about procedures Bro, and player the, safety. No, oh, Ralph, Ralph, you're 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 missing it. They're 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 not mad. They are finding an enemy. This is a way for them to build yes. their audience. They're preaching to the choir. They're like, oh, well, they're, they're, yeah, they're yeah. rooting for the virus. No, fool. I'm just reading the tea leaves. I'm reading, reading and writing on the wall. Like that. So, like, you, you, you even had Clay Travis today tweet out a word two days ago, tweet out a poll. Oh, do you believe the media is rooting for the virus? Dude, get out of here. We, 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 we know what you're doing. Hell no, dude. Anybody, and I'm, I, the stuff that's happening to people, man, we just had a swim coach down here in Arizona die. Um, we just had a, 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 a head golf coach down here in Arizona die. We had a teacher. It's, I mean, it's, it's bad and it's gross and it's scary and lives are getting ruined. You know, we, we got these people shouting sheep and fear porn and accusing people of being more interested in the results of the 2020 election than being employed and they're telling on themselves what they're saying is hey i'm selfish my need to be entertained to keep my routine takes precedent over the health of my countrymen and because i'm selfish there's no possible way that somebody else is focused on the overall well-being of others without some hidden agenda there's a bunch of other people who wanted sports to start on time and for everything to go back to normal who aren't going to get that luxury and do you know why they're not going to get that because they got killed by this goddamn virus and the people we lost and their reality and the reality of their devastated families and the communities that they're in should take precedent over the little tummy aches of insatiable and whiny Twitter trolls and the people who follow them. No amount of selfish crybaby antics is going to change that reality. I want sports back, George. So do you. We want our schools back. We want our churches back, restaurants back. You know what I want more than anything, George? I want to go to a movie. And we oh all God, have- dude! I would, I would, dude! I would. Uh, I, actually, I'm not even gonna say. I'm not even gonna say the types of things that I would actually do <laughs> to get to go to a movie right now because that would be the ideal, so, dude. Because that's one of my my things that I love. So I have had to resort to watching television shows, which one of them we have committed to talking about on this show now. Which is last week Ralph was supposed to watch Outcry. He did not, but he finally did. And he did it. Didn't did you watch the whole thing in one day? I watched the whole thing in one day. So did I. So if if you don't know, Outcry is a what was called a docu it's a documentary, man. Um, yeah, it's a documentary. I mean it's it's a lot like your uh, – well, it makes sense that it's like the Christian Dawkins one because it's the same director. Um, yeah. But it's a story that has to do with sports and crime. Yeah. So it is about this kid named Greg Kelly who was a UTSA commit. So University of Texas San Antonio commit. He had a scholarship, everything. 
and it follows the story of him. He was a, he was arrested in 2013 for sexual assault of a four year old boy. Although the boy named Kelly is his abuser, and a second child made similar accusations after he was like goaded into these things and then he turned around and said that it didn't happen so to make a long story short Kelly ends up in jail and it was one and then eventually completely exonerated and it was one of the most outrageously enraging shows that I had watched Ralph I, I was frustrated from the beginning to the to the end and and it actually it's funny because it leads into one of the crazy Pac-12 stories that that we're going to talk talk about in just a minute but i just thought it was so bizarre like i'm like this is why people hate the police some sometimes and hate the system because they're saying why didn't you investigate why did you do a half ass job and just think that this is the you know, just doing invest- investigation. It was just so crazy to me, Ralph. I don't know what to say, man. I I, I hated this documentary. Um, I You know, you have a four-year-old who is making... That's why it's called Outcry. The Outcry is, uh, is an accusation or, ad- or um, admission or public declaration of abuse. So you got a four-year-old that says that they were um, sexually abused. And when that happens, you got to investigate. And he named Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly was living at a place with an at-home daycare because his parents were both ill and had to move. So he was staying with a friend whose mom volunteered for him to be there. Um, who also had a son of her own that was, I think, a couple years younger than Greg Kelly, and they looked similar, and um, that factors into the story, obviously. But, you know, this accusation comes out. I think he had to miss his senior season of football. He committed to UTSA before his senior season. This is a big, fast kid, like freaky fast. You know, who knows if he would have stayed committed to UTSA or what would have happened with him. Um, He's a good football player, and – you know, this accusation gets made and then ultimately he gets convicted and sentenced to 25 years in prison after turning down a plea deal um, and contesting his innocence, which which I have a lot of thoughts about. Um, but, you know, he, so he and, and then the the most surprising thing to me about this entire documentary is the community rallies around him, because we, I think we've seen how easy it is once you've been accused of something that heinous, especially credibly. Um, If you've been credibly accused of something that heinous, it's a risk for someone to publicly come out and, and back you and defend you and fight for you, especially after you've been convicted. And he had a massive community of followers who fought for him every step of the way to try to get that conviction overturned. And ultimately, it worked. Um, but you want to find you want to find people to support you in life, like people supported Greg Kelly. Boy, I tell you that much. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that in my life. It didn't. I would tell you that there are several things about that that documentary and the Greg Kelly case that will never make sense to me. And chiefly amongst them is the level of love 
members of that community had for him, including his girlfriend, including his girlfriend's family, including a dude who he never met, who kind of spearheaded the whole thing, including his church, including the district attorney who took over for the woman who was responsible for arguing for his conviction. I mean, uh, it's, it's, absolutely insane and at the end of the day what makes this so tragic is that kid never recanted the parents of that kid never recanted something happened to that kid and nobody has been held accountable for it properly but in the meantime man they put they put somebody who very likely did not do it in jail for 25 years, and he was very, very lucky that the whole community rallied behind him to be able to to, to get this thing um, overturned. I don't even know if I would recommend this documentary. It's infuriating. <laughs> Dude, have you ever seen something so great, but you're just like, no, no, I can't watch that again. It, it, it's almost like watching uh, sneakers or um, that. Wait, is that the is that the one about the kids in, in Hell's Kitchen? That went to um, that went to the all boys school and ended up a bunch of bad stuff. Hey, ended up happening to him. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I don't remember the name of it, but what it reminds me of is the Adam Sandler movie that he didn't get nominated for the Oscar. The one with him and Kevin Garnett. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Uncut Gems. Yeah, Uncut Gems. Yeah, I walked out of that theater uh, bewildered from the amount of noise that was made on screen. Uh, able to recognize that it was well done and never wanting to see even five seconds of that movie again for the rest of my life. <laughs> even if I had the opportunity to go back to a movie theater, which there's nothing I want more than to go to a movie, we've established that, if the only movie playing at that theater was James, there's no way in hell. I mean, I might go and sit through the previews and then walk out. <laughs> okay, if, if, if you had the choice to watch Outcry again or Uncut Gems, what would you choose? Outcry. Oh, boy. Outcry yeah, because, it, um, because while it stressed me out, at least some type of resolution happened for some people. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're, we're like the kids got no resolution because the person that did it to them walk, walked free, essentially. And yeah, and that leads us to how what a wild Pac-12 story. So, so the outcry there, there was an outcry in the Pac-12. Washington State player Dominic Sibbles uh, Ralph brought this up to me. I just could not, for the life of me, I, I, th- this is what you're so afraid of, because with the idea that we should believe all victims, I don't believe in that. I believe that we should believe all victims enough to investigate. That's what I believe, and. If there's enough evidence, then yeah, cool. Then, then you got to do what you got to do. 
But the problem is, is that I have seen circumstances very close to me where some some of these allegations have not been true. I do believe, though, that the vast majority of people, the over not even vast, the overwhelmingly majority of people who say, particularly women who say that they had something happen to them, women, kids, all that are telling the truth. However, it's tough because it's like, how do you protect those people when you find out that even though it's a small percentage of them, you may send people to jail, lose their scholarships, have their name besmirched forever for something that they didn't do. So, Ralph, you can tell us what happened in this story. Um. So I'm I'm very very new to this. Um, Dominic Civils played at Washington State under Coach Leach in 2018. Uh, I guess he led the team in sacks, four and a half, seven and a half tackles for a loss. Um, was headed for a big 2019. And then all of a sudden he's missing the season for undisclosed personal reasons. Um, it turns out he was accused of rape, sexual assault uh, by somebody in his hometown. So not somebody at Washington state, but he's from San Diego. He's one of those people from California that uh, Mike Leach used to love to make fun of their home state so much. Uh, and it wouldn't be a Pac-12 Apostles podcast if we weren't getting a Mike Leach dig in um, inappropriately in the middle of a very serious story. Uh, but Dominic Civils was accused of rape by uh, an acquaintance in San Diego. And I guess she reached out directly to Washington State and they went through the the process. And from what I can gather through the absolute mess that's going on on his social media, which you can follow. It's still unfolding. It's at Prince underscore civils, S I L V E L S. Um, he was found liable, um, which I, again, it, the, the college system of investigating assaults, it, the fact that it even exists is absolutely insane to me. If an assault happens, you got, you got to go to the police. Going to the college seems like very possibly the dumbest thing in the world um, because they have their own adjudication system that has uh, provided unjust uh, results for um, both victims and supposed perpetrators alike for decades. It's been a mess, right? So Dominic Civils, he is found liable, I think, and he has to enter the transfer portal. And today, a second acquaintance of Dominic Civils decides to go on social media and release a long string of text messages between Dominic Civils and the the alleged victim. Uh, And this girl has screenshots of conversations between Dominic and the woman. Uh, and she has all of them and she, she, it basically what it comes down to is I cannot verify the veracity of this. Uh, 
Um, but within, it, I'll just read you read you the texts. Uh, the the most pertinent part of it, and again, it goes very very deep. But um, here is the text between uh, Dominic and 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 this girl allegedly. Um, she says, uh, "Hey, how are you feeling?" She reaches out to him. He says, I'm pissed, honestly. And she says, at me? And he says, partially, but more at the school because they don't have any physical evidence, yet they found me responsible for it. And she says, why are you upset with me? And he says, because if you would have told them the truth, what you told me, this wouldn't be happening. And she says, what did I tell you? And he says that you never said no. You wanted to have sex that day, and I didn't force you. You made the first move. And she says, and again, these are the alleged texts between Dom and uh, and the, the quote-unquote victim. Dom, I know and I feel really bad, but I didn't think it would go this far. I was just really mad at you for the things you said to me and how you were treating me. And he says, okay, if you said all that, why couldn't you just email the school and tell them exactly what you told me? And I told you that I never had a video, and you know that. That's an element of this that I don't know anything about. Um, And she says, the only reason I didn't tell the school is because I already provided them with so much that I didn't want to go back on what I said, and they consider me a liar. And he says to her, okay, but now I'm expelled. And she says, I know, and I wish I could take this all back, but I can't, and I'm sorry. Why can't you, is the question. Like, if you screw up, like, this this is the thing. So if these text messages are true, if these are not doctor and and then her friend put up a Snapchat in the well, her alleged friend put up a Snapchat where they're talking about this too. Just like this, this is the problem with some of the, um, like just with how all this this works is because victims have to be protected. But then you can't just go throwing people out of school over an allegation if there's not if it's not founded. So it, it puts you in a weird situation because you do need to protect the campus if someone is a predator. But and, but the second that you do it and somebody turns out to be innocent, you can't unring that bell. So I don't know what the answer is, but actually my my solution to it is is that when you do find out that people lie about these things they need to be punished harshly because it affects real victims i guess that's my only solution to it ralph yeah and so and and this is going to tie into a third story that we get into that is even weirder than everything else we've talked about today but false accusations um i i i ran this story by my wife and I, I just wanted to know, am I, am I saying and thinking the wrong thing here? Because I think every guy is afraid. Like, when they realize that this is possible, they're afraid, right? Like, the, the, when they realize that this is actually something that can happen, they're afraid. And what that should do for men, what it should do for men is it should 
give them sympathy toward women who also have to think of just assault as something that could potentially happen to them in any given scenario. What something like this should do is give us just all as a human race empathy and sympathy for each other's situation. It should lead to us having more compassion and understanding for each other. But instead, um, it, it causes us to kind of retreat into our corners and you see, you know, there was somebody who, who Dominic civils is arguing with on Twitter, uh, as of yesterday who said, men, if a woman accuses you of rape, even if you didn't do it, you shut up and accept the charges. Women have been systematically oppressed for years, and you giving up some years of your freedom doesn't compare to the oppression that they've been through. That's a real thing that somebody tweeted, and and, and Dominic Civil said, you're a joke for this, because he believes that this is something that he's you know, in, in the process of going through, no, every situ the, the truth matters. I have this sticker on my computer, um, that I have had on my, on my computer for the last five years. I even bought a new computer, tore it off and put it back on. It says, tell the truth or someone will tell it for you. The only thing that matters is the truth. There is no making up for hundreds of years of oppression of women by men, by somebody eating a charge that they shouldn't eat. Justice is the only thing that matters, and it's the thing that we should strive for in every single situation. Um, and the thing that I ran by my wife is like, hey, if I say, if I say that not that one is worse than the other, but that a false accusation has a different level of repercussions than a credible uh, accusation of which there is, you know, it, uh, it, of which justice is dealt out for because it calls into question the veracity of other women's claims in other situations. Crying wolf is terrible for women who are actually assaulted and trying to get justice for it. And this isn't similar in that, you know, I fully believe that something in, as far as the 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 movie um, Outcry, uh, which, by the way, I think Greg Kelly is like trying to walk on to University of Texas's football team now or something like that. Um, so that should be interesting because there's still people out there who believe that he did it. Uh, but, you know, that's not to say that that kid didn't make a credible accusation that's not what i'm saying at all i'm just saying that when you do something like make a revenge claim because you want somebody to hurt because you're hurting inside when somebody actually does have something like that happen to them which what it was the statistic like one in four women will either be assaulted or have someone attempt to assault them in some way shape or form like and you hurt their ability to um, be believed because you lied. That's evil. It's like pure evil as is assault. There is no levels to this. It's all bad. But you know, that was the thing that I was trying to talk out with my wife. I'm like, Hey, I'm not meaning to paint one is worse than the other, but I do want to point out the fact that one ruins a person's life and makes things harder for everyone else. And, uh, and, and I, 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 you know, I, I just, I don't understand the psychology behind doing something like this. I hope it gets worked out. You know, it seems like he wants to play for Washington state university. 
would you let him back on the team? If this is, I mean, if we can prove that these texts are true, then, and these messages are true, then yeah, I'll, I'll let him back on the team. I mean, I, I don't think you have a choice, right? I mean, I don't know because Devon Durant, remember Devon Durant? He was a four star Juco middle linebacker committed to Arizona State, got arrested for supposedly hitting his girlfriend in the car uh, before what would have been, I believe, his junior year at Arizona State back in 2015. And his girlfriend said that it never happened, said that she made a false accusation even got a local um, ambulance and camera chasing civil rights attorney to hold a press conference saying the entire thing is false and never happened. And Arizona state still parted ways with him, you know, because it, it was very muddied as to whether or not she saw him as a payday and realized that her abuse claim could hurt that payday. Or if she was actually retracting a false accusation. So, I mean, I don't know. I've seen this happen at Arizona state where, um, and Arizona state staff was totally ready to back Durant. They were ready to, but there was just no way to tell whether or not she was telling the truth. And ultimately he ended up at, uh, Marshall, I think. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know what the right thing is to do. I think she would have to recant, publicly these text messages are not enough um but and it's completely unfair to him but if they already found him credible what i'd like to know is based on what it didn't happen in washington it happened in california or it didn't happen in california i guess however you want to look at that whole thing. But I, I don't know. I can't speak to the truth of the situation. I can only speak to what I'm seeing right now, but people are definitely rallying around him on social media right now. And, and he has tagged Nick Rolovich in university of Washington and his tweets. It's fairly evident. He wants to go back. Yeah, of course. I would want to go back too. I mean, like it's where he wants to play to a play ball. Um, dude, I forgot something about the outcry. I just remembered. I just thought about it. And I told you you this and people wouldn't know unless, you know, they saw it on Twitter or something that the the other kid who that well the other man now that they thought that actually did it was this guy named Jonathan McCarthy who he lived with after you guys watched the after you guys watched the show he the person was in, whose house it was yes he was in jail when Greg Kelly got out of jail for sexual and, assault yes and when he got out of jail. And my, my, mind you, so he basically let his friend take the rap for this. And he's been kind of a career criminal, drug addict, all of this. And when he got out, he sent a Facebook friend request to Greg Kelly and to his uh, now wife. He let Greg Kelly. It's very possible that he did this and he let Greg Kelly rot in jail didn't come to his aid. He's been arrested 16 times, including for um, sexual assault, which he has already been released, having served his sentence for. And 
yeah, he's out there trying to friend him on social media. Something's wrong with that. The other thing, the other thing about Outcry that really stood out to me is the discrepancy in what a prosecutor offers to get a guilty plea, to get the statistics under their belt and avoid trial versus what the mandatory minimum sentences actually are. Because, you know, out here in Arizona, uh, there was a defensive back, four-star defensive back named Robbie Robinson from uh, DeMatha. Um, He lived in Virginia but played uh, high school football in Maryland. He came out to Arizona State University and um, suffered from what was essentially just like crippling depression. And uh, he ended up leaving the team after his freshman year. He played a little bit as a freshman, even picked off. I think he had a game-winning interception against UCLA. Um, and he started tweeting nonsense. I mean, just absolute nonsense. And at the same time, he was lucid enough to be flaming all of his former teammates and coaches. So he's ripping all his former teammates and coaches, which basically turns into a situation where there's nobody left to defend him because he's offended everyone. And he's in the middle of essentially what is a manic break. And I reach out to him in the middle of all this. And I was like, hey, dude, you're all right. And he's like, I could never be better. And I was like, hey, I'd love to talk to you about it. So we met up. And I did an hour-long interview with him. Again, this kid's name's Robbie Robinson from Virginia. He was out of Arizona State. He had already left the team and left school. uh, And he was, like, doing uh, currency trading or something like that, living on an apartment off campus. And I sat with him in my car for an hour, and I interviewed him about what was going on with him. I found him to be completely lucid, positive. He made multiple um, statements during our conversation that his entire goal in life was just to go back to Virginia, make sure that his neighborhood was good for the kids who were coming up. He told me he wanted to live well into his nineties and see his grandkids come up. He said he wanted to break generational curses in his neighborhood and in his life. And he was just, I mean, pie in the sky talking about all the great things that he was going to do with his life. You know, and I asked him, you know, so why blow everybody up on Twitter? And he was just like, well, because it's true. And, you know, and I I wasn't in a situation to necessarily give him advice. I didn't know him all that well, but I was kind of inspired by his outlook. And I, and I felt safe enough to invite him at the end of my interview with him um, to come and meet my kids and have dinner with my family. Because I figured, you know, you know, outside of just my job as a member of the media, um, this was a kid that was crying out for help. And, and, and I thought that maybe he could use a a positive male uh, influence in his life. The very next day, the very next day, the FBI hunts him down and arrests him and he gets charged with terrorism because after he left talking to me that night, he tweeted. And this was, again, he, he, he was tweeting some wild stuff, but he was tweeting about how, when he was still on the team, Uh, just after the first season ended, he was suicidal. So he talked about um, how he had uh, looked for a gun so that he could go out to Tempe Town Lake. And shout out to Tempe Town Lake, which just had a bridge burst into flames and a train derail today. Um, So if you're on the Herm train, just make sure it's not that train uh, as a, as a, as a, as a little aside. Um, But, you know, he said he went out to Tempe town Lake and, and, and he was hoping to, you know, he was hoping to get a gun from a friend and end his life. And he also said, and this is what got him in a bunch of trouble that 
he had considered taking a gun into the stadium and spraying up the stadium. Now, that's a terrible thing to tweet. It was also past tense. It was him saying, I was depressed. I had these thoughts. I did not follow through with them. That's what he was saying on Twitter. This was tweeted in February. February. There are no football games in February. So it was very obvious that this was a past tense tweet about a mental illness in depression that he was battling through. He was arrested and charged with terrorism because our governor, Doug Ducey, signed an executive order that made stadiums the equivalent of federal buildings. So a threat on a stadium or a school is now a mandatory 10-year minimum in prison. Now, I say all that to say this. They offered him several plea deals, and he ultimately ended up having to take one. And he is now a felon. Former Arizona State University cornerback Robbie Robinson is a felon for tweeting that he thought about doing something bad and didn't do it. He's a felon because of that. Because the alternative was spend 10 years in prison. Take on the system, possibly lose, and spend 10 years in prison. Instead, he ended up with like time served and two years of probation. And one month ago, after this happened three years ago, one month ago, he was finally able to go back home to Virginia. So the state of Arizona thought he was such a threat that they called him a terrorist and they were going to put him in jail for 10 years. Yet they held him on probation in the state of Arizona and didn't let him go 1,500 miles away where he would be less of a threat because they were so intent on winning this case and getting him to plead out. That stuff drives me nuts. And in the show Outcry, you have Greg Kelly being offered five years probation. Yeah. And he turned it down and got sentenced to 25 years in prison with a lifetime on the sex offenders registry. And the only reason he got 25 years and not more is he waived his right to appeal. That's wild. Like that, that lets you know how flimsy stuff is. They just offer you probation. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's crazy. though. That is absolutely crazy. Our system is a straight up lie. Yep. There is, nah. there is no justice. It's a bargain because you could lose. And every and and every single time, every single time, I'm taking the I'm taking the time. No every way, time. no way. I'm not, bro. I'm not. I, I refuse to agree to something that I did not do. I did so that one time in my life, dude. I did that one time in my life. So I was house sitting for my parents in 2010. I got arrested. I was in the house with my uh, my uh, son's mother, my uh, and I was getting ready to get up and go to church, bro. It was a Sunday morning. It was a wild story, and uh, somebody came knocking at my at, at my parents' door. talking about somebody like I couldn't understand what they were saying because turns turns out that they were deaf and they were. Um, 
uh, spoke another language as their first first language. So I really and, and granted, if you've ever spoken to a deaf person, you know that they're that they can't hear what they're saying. So it's hard for them to uh, articulate the same way we're used to hearing. And then the uh, English wasn't his first language either. So it made it even way more difficult. And I didn't understand what he was saying. It actually like freaked me out because it was like five o'clock in the morning. Long story short, police come over. I um, uh, and I was happy to see him. I was like, "Oh God!" I was just getting ready to call you guys. I get arrested because they said that I had a hundred thousand dollar car parked outside, have plenty of money. They said I broke into their little Hyundai Accord and stole a phone charger and a GPS. And I was, and so I got arrested. I was like, bro, I'll give you two, 200 bucks. Just leave me alone. Like, you know what I mean? I told the police, come in, investigate, like, look, see. And they were like, no, we don't, we, we don't need to. This is a citizen's arrest. I was like, what the hell are we doing here? DA wouldn't drop the case, anything like uh, that. And then they, um, and they, they still wouldn't drop it. It was insane, dude. We're, we're talking about over 200 bucks. I was like, listen, I'll buy the people something. Just drop it. Like, it's cheaper for me because I got to pay for this lawyer. And and, and my lawyer, who was a, a awful lawyer, was like, well, George, what they're, what they're offering is, is you'll, you'll get probation. I'm, no, 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 I'm sorry. Pro, it, it, um. You plead no contest. You'll get probation for a year. If you don't commit a crime, they'll they'll uh, vacate your uh, conviction and turn it into an infraction. It'll be like a speeding ticket. Whatever. whatever. I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. Just get it over with. I did that. Do you know how hard <laughs> this has not come up any other time in my life? Because like I've had background checks run on me and all of this stuff. And it's never been an issue until I went to go get uh, global entry and TSA pre-check. And so I got a, I got denied at first. I didn't appeal, got approved, and then they repealed it later. All because of this one thing, because I agreed to something that I did not do. And, it, and it's turned out to like, like, and that's a big deal because I travel a lot. So I'm going to tell you, Ralph, I, there's not a snowball chance in hell that I would ever, ever, ever again in my life admit to doing something that I, or plead guilty or no contest to something that I did not do. Not a chance. Even if you were facing a terrorism charge and there was every incentive uh, for the state to defend the very first opportunity they have to prove that it was the right thing to do to make stadiums like federal buildings? Ten years, man, dude. I I don't know because wow. I'm like you. I got a I got arrested once for something I didn't do. This is back in 2007. My brother broke a drug dealer's window because he was my sister was dating this dude at the time, and he was trying to convince her to get out of the house and come outside. He knocked on the window too hard, and it broke. And I got a phone call saying, hey, your brother and sister are mixed up with the wrong people. Can you go over to their house and pick them up? I was asleep at my house several miles away. I pull up to this house, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And immediately get arrested by six police officers. I got charged with trespassing, fighting, 
criminal destruction of property. <laughs> disorderly conduct as like a throw-in thing. I think P.S. Disorderly conduct. What is that? So uh, I get charged with all these different things. It was wild. And my wife, who was house-sitting for an uh, – she was dog-sitting um, at the time. She gets a call saying that I'm getting arrested. She pulls up to the scene as I'm getting let off in handcuffs. We'd been married a year. I am so happy she stayed with me because my family is an absolute mess. And this is a pretty stuff like this is a pretty regular occurrence in my life. Um, This is just the only time that I've ever been at the other end of it because I do a pretty good job of minding my own business. Uh, And so, you know, I stay all night. I stay up all night in a holding cell getting interrogated about something that I literally had no idea. I didn't even know. I did not know. And they told me they're going to charge me with all this stuff. And I was facing a bunch of time. And I'm telling you, man, if they had said like probation versus we are going to take you to court and try to put you in jail for 10 years, I don't know what I would have done in that situation. Luckily, my brother showed up like eight hours into it with little shards of glass in his knuckles. And he was like, you got the wrong guy. And then they were embarrassed. So they let him go too. Um, and then uh, I rewarded the police for letting me go by falling asleep in my car as I was backing out of the police station because my dad had brought my car down and I backed into a police car. So then I had to stay for a few more hours while all that got figured out. And I just, I just, that was one of the worst days of my life. And I worked in education. So every single year I got pulled in to say, why do you have an arrest on your record, but no charges or no follow up? I had to do a bunch of stuff to get it expunged. And it was already, I'm just like you, just a massive headache over something that I had nothing to do with. But I, I'm the opposite. I think I would have, I, if, if it was the difference of like dealing with, with being in jail or prison or getting to go home and just have the hassle of knowing like, I didn't do this, but I'm on probation. I don't do dumb stuff anyway. So I'm not going to violate my probation and it'll be fine anyway. Um, I, I would have weighed the cost. Cause I, I, you never know. You never know if they can, what they can do uh, to make sure that you're on the losing end. Like they did with Greg Kelly. And for people who have showtime, you watch this, you're going to see the lengths that they went to make sure that they didn't look at any other suspects and you know, stuff like this happens all the time. And it is a huge black eye to the legitimacy of our justice system overall. And now we got a kid at Washington state who's probably very possibly facing a a similar situation. And I, I hope for the best for that dude. And I hope that Washington state takes another chance on him, but in the age of liability and everybody tiptoeing and being way too careful and me too, and all that, will they, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> and now we we will shift gears to something a little bit more more positive for a couple of topics. Um, so, um, do we have any new ratings, Ralph? We don't have any new ratings on iTunes, which is disappointing because that's been a very fun element of the podcast uh, as of late. But we did. And I am super excited about this. We got an email from our guy, Gorilla Bears, who kicked this whole weird review thing off by dropping us a one-star review 
when we went after Morgan Scally for, uh, um, well, let's just say there's been enough talk about race on this podcast already. So, um, but he updated his one-star review the next week, which to me is the funniest thing that has ever happened in the history of this podcast. So we challenged our friend Gorilla Bears to continue to update his review weekly. And you and I were under the impression that he had abandoned us, that that, that uh, he had given up on us. And that's not the case. He emailed you, George. Yes. So Gorilla Bears sent in an email and it was, I was shocked. I was shocked when I saw it. So he says, I've been here in beautiful Cancun, Mexico for weeks and I've not had a chance to listen to the last two episodes until today. With that being said, I tried multiple times before my vacation to update my review as well as bump it up to a two-star rating. I guess Apple and the deep state are censoring my review for whatever reason. It looks like they're on to me. They have removed it and are, and are not allowing me to update. Here's the review I tried to leave. After listening to the latest episode, the host mentioned that I changed my review from the one they read on air to garbage. This confused me because back when I posted said review, Apple never indicated to me that my review was successfully posted. I thought Apple had censored my review due to the semi-colorful language I used in it. So instead of retyping my lengthy, my lengthy yet brilliant re- review once again, I decided to save myself some time and simply simplify it to garbage and leave it <laughs> at that. I was pleasantly surprised when the apostles read my original review on the mini episode and I discarded any thought towards uh, delayed fashion, causing the host to think I went back and edited my review to one word just for the hell of it. Once again, I'm not surprised a duck and a wildcat would think I would waste time with Okay, time out. Time out from the review because this is your fault. And not not that there's anything wrong with being a University of Arizona graduate. There are plenty of great University of Arizona graduates. Uh, Gary Chandling, I think, was a U of A graduate. Courtney Kardashian, if you're into that. Nicole Richie. Um, Kristen Wiig. Uh, that really goofy comedian with the YouTube channel from uh, that did American Vandal on Netflix and also um, uh, played a, a fireman in that Pete Davidson movie. Uh, U of A. Oh, and two different owners of, I think, Woody Johnson and Artie or whoever owns the Angels. University of Arizona has had some okay graduates, but I'm not a wildcat. I am... <laughs> Based on my, my my what my student loans tell me, I am a sun devil. Okay, um, so he said I'm not surprised that duck and a wildcat would think I would waste my time with such trivial things, but I'll let that slide this time. I have come to the conclusion that the deep state is fucking with my review, perhaps <laughs> because they know that I'm on to them. That's a conversation for another time. But at the end of the day, I'm a, a still a Pac-12 fan. And what the apostles helped me realize is that we need to stick together as fans 
of this sad conference. With that being said, I've decided to bump my rating to two stars. There is no particular reason. I'm not doing it because the apostles have earned it. I just feel like they need all the help that they can get. All jokes aside, they do an okay job with the show. I look forward to the next installment of this sorry excuse of a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I love Gorilla Bears. I do too, and I didn't notice that we had a two-star review that didn't have an associated review with it, and I was like, oh, that's cheap. But it's not cheap. It's beautiful, and I love it, and I will cherish it forever. (laughs) Well, thank you, Gorilla Bears, and we are glad to know that you are alive and well, uh, COVID-free, and we will try to contact the the deep state to get you undone. You know, but it is time for a five-star review. That's why you're listening. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, 24-7 put out a list of the top 50 Pac-12 players and the no sorry not the top 50 Pac- college, uh, Pac-12 players the top 50 college football players and they've all been arrested <laughs> there are six Pac-12 players on this list and I want to know, Ralph, did they miss anybody? There was Penesul at number two, Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon as well at number 24, Javon Holland from Oregon at number 34, Keaton Slovis from USC at number 27, Elijah Molden, the DB from Washington at number 38, and quarterback from Arizona State, Jaden Daniels at number 39. So you have six Pac-12 players, which is what, like 12% of the of the list? Yeah, it's not, it's not terrible. I guess it's not terrible. Um, Hamilcar Rashad's not on there. Uh, I think it's pretty bad. I think it's pretty – and the reason why I think it's pretty bad for the conference as a whole is because – is because you only have you you have um, what three teams? No, sorry, four teams represented out of twelve. Got three dudes from one school. Guy from USC. The fact that USC only has one guy on the list is just an indictment on Clay Helton. One guy out of all these recruiting classes. One dude. That means you're not developing talent in the least, USC. Washington was young. And some of their juniors left. Side note, I found out today that 34% of the juniors who declared for the NFL draft last year went undrafted. But that's a side side note. Uh, And most of them were from Washington. I feel Um, bad for laughing, but it's just, it happens every year. I get it. Yep. And so you only have four schools represented. I don't like it, Ralph. I do not like it. I don't feel like the conference is where it needs to be at this point in time. I mean, you got Northwestern represented. Penn State, obviously, uh, has a couple guys on the list. Ohio State. Um, Wisconsin. The big Minnesota. The Big Ten is all over this list. And Iowa State. 
Oklahoma, well, Oklahoma State's not in the Big, big Ten, but um, I, it's just a lot of schools represented, and I would have liked to see more Pac-12 teams represented. I mean, the back the back half, especially 30 through 40, is nice. You only got two in well, the top the SEC 25. doesn't have a ton of rep representation either. The, the ACC actually probably has more. Um, I think you, there's a there's a few players that you could definitely make an argument for uh, in here, and I I'm genuinely I, I'm I'm gonna be honest I'm pissed off about the Hamilcar Rochette thing because the Pac-12 disrespecting him is what causes this to happen. The fact that he hasn't got his due. He's not viewed as highly as, dude, nobody I've talked to in terms of in scouting or anything views Hamilcar Rashad nearly as highly as you do. I mean, granted, his stats and his numbers say that the, the man is to be reckoned with. But for, for some reason, they just look at him and they're just like, eh, whatever. He had more than 33% more tackles for loss than anyone else in the entire Pac-12 in two less games than Bradley and I and Kayvon Thibodeau. So he's your new... So so he is your new uh, Khalil Tate. No! No, he's not. He... Uh, See, that pisses me off because... With Khalil Tate, it was about potential. Hamilcar Rochette has the production. In 12 games, he had 14 sacks. In 12 games, he had 14 sacks. In 12 games, he had 22 and a half tackles for a loss. Two forced fumbles, and he broke up three passes. He was all over the place. He absolutely deserves to be in the top 50 he produced because what you're telling me George is you're saying you can't say that the Pac-12 is underrepresented and then say that Hamilcar Rashad dominated the Pac-12 and therefore doesn't deserve to be on the list because he's really not all that because if he dominated the Pac-12 and you're saying that the Pac-12 is is um not getting as much love as it should, then all of that should increase Hamilcar Rashad's stock. All of it. I I'm, I'm never, no one's ever going to take me seriously on this dude because we went to the same high school. But I don't care. The stats are the stats. The stats are the stats. It is what it is. Dude, and when he, he is your it, new Khalil Tate. So, 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 so Hamilcar Rashad Amsden. All right. He's, he's, your, he's your new guy. He's your you new adopted else? family member. You know who else you could probably make an argument for? Who? Is, and I, I know how you feel. I think you, you think that he's uh, underperformed his ability, but Thomas Graham. I think Thomas Graham is someone who, who maybe is maybe around the 60 spot. Um, but you can make an argument that he deserves that type of consideration. And and then someone who definitely has the talent, definitely has the talent, and I'm disappointed to see that he's not in the top 15, is Ashari Crosswell. Ashari Crosswell changes games when he's in for Arizona State as a, as a safety. He's good coming up and rushing the passer. He's long. He's athletic. So you think he's better than Elijah Molden? I think he's at that level, and I, I, there's no hesitation to me at all. 
I think I think that they are on the same level at production talent, all of it. I don't know, man. I might I'm, I might take McKinley the third uh, out of Oregon first. Hmm. I mean, not, I mean, I, oh, I know people surprise. are going to oh, I, I, dude, I called you out, so don't try to, don't try to no, do I'm that. No, I'm just over here being hypocritical. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the Pac-12 got some representation. I think that you're going to have a lot of people upset because it's only – that there were very few schools represented, but it is what it is. I mean, the best teams usually get the most representation. I just think that it's very indicative of what's going on at USC that they didn't have anybody on the list. I think that that is like, um, but they should have. They should have Isaiah Polamau on that list. They should. He should be in there. Uh, mm, I, I, I don't know, dude. I, I, I think uh, the um, uh, well, the defensive lineman, the the guy was a freshman all last year. Um, oh yeah, you're not lying. He's a monster. Uh, I, I don't know why his name is escaping me right now. Probably because uh, um, because ASU fans are are still so salty about the fact. Oh, Drake Jackson. Yeah. About the fact that he 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 chose USC instead of hanging out with his friends out of ASU. But uh, he he was the crown jewel of that recruiting class, and he made an instant impact. Um, yeah, five and a half sacks in in eleven games. We should we should definitely say that somebody who had five and a half sacks in eleven games is uh, deserves to be above somebody who had fourteen and twelve. That's what we're Mr. Amsden, more of the family. Um, the the there's another list that came out, the NFL top 100 list, and the thing that stuck out most to me because we're talking about the Pac-12 is. First of all, before we even get to the Pac-12, the fact that they have Patrick Mahomes as the third best quarterback is just bizarre. I know that Lamar Jackson can run and all that, but it was just I I just could not make sense of the MVP two years ago, Super Bowl MVP last year. I mean, the man played on half of a leg for like a couple games. I he's a, he's he's a superhero, and I I don't get it. So get what it. they're telling you, what they're telling you is don't let players put, vote. <laughs> yeah, if if you put uh, Lamar Jackson or if you put Russell Wilson on the Chiefs that they wouldn't have gone down big in the first half. That's what they're telling you. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Repeat that again. What they are telling you by putting Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson ahead of Patrick Mahomes is that if either one of those two quarterbacks was on the Chiefs instead of Mahomes, that they would not have gone down big in the first half against the 49ers. Uh, I could potentially make the case for Russell Wilson. Well, actually, no, because we because we saw that happen. <laughs> um, 
I can make the case that Russell Wilson could have won that Super Bowl too. I cannot make the case that Lamar Jackson could have won that Super Bowl. I'm just saying. Um, yeah, so let's let, let's get to the Pac-12 players that you found on the list, Ralph. We got a top 10. We got a top 10 player, number six overall. Christian McCaffrey out of Stanford. How do you feel about that? He's the number one running back in the entire NFL. I feel vindicated because I had the uh, I had a debate with some of the coaches that I know on the San Diego Chargers staff in that draft. Oh, they tried to tell me everybody, Alvin Kamara, who I really do like, Leonard Fournette, better than Christian McCaffrey. I was like, you guys are hating on the dude because he's white. <laughs> like it's hard to imagine a white white running back. I get it, but this dude he runs between the tackles. He didn't do like Reggie Bush just run straight to the sideline uh, in in the NFL. He is was an amazing talent, amazing ta- like special. And now I feel vindicated, Ralph. One hundred percent. You feel vindicated. I'm three quarters white. This is a great day. For- <laughs> percent of my culture this is this is unreal because i think there's a lot of people who thought that he wouldn't pan out um and 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 and, uh you know there's a racial element to it um (laughs) racism is still allowed in football it's it's in in its own weird way no white Um, knees and no no no, no, no white, white running backs, no white D- DBs. And if there is a white DB, okay. He'll be, he'll be overhyped and overpaid. There, there is a offensive coordinator in the Pac-12 who I know personally. Well, actually, this is just going to be too, too obvious. Um, never mind. I'm not even going to tell the story. Because <laughs> it's, it's, no. it's going to be obvious because I played because I was going to say he was my offensive coordinator at one point in time while I was in the NFL. And I'm just not even going to say it. So, <laughs> so there's so there that. Working in and around sports and you playing college and professionally, I think we can comfortably say that they're that, stereotyping within athletics does not follow the same uh, social trend lines of what we're not allowed to do outside of athletics. Yes. <laughs> That's uh, and, the, and the evidence for it is there are no white DBs, even though there are people who are definitely skilled enough to, to, to play that position. And when you do get one, they get, Massive contracts, and they get to marry Angie Harmon, uh, <laughs> even though even though they're just mediocre. Seahorse, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, so Christian McCaffrey, he's he's uh, he's at number six, and then the number the next one on the list, I think, is at number sixteen. It's Aaron Rodgers. Which so that should tell you something. The Packers go and draft a quarterback, and they got a top sixteen player. On their team, should they have done that? Should Aaron Rodgers? You know, you know what I would do if I was Aaron Rodgers, uh, because I, I, from what I understand, he is um, immensely petty. Yes, and I think that he should channel all that pettiness into citing Corona to sit out the season the way that Nate Solder did uh, earlier today, and then see just how uh, how crucial that draft pick was <laughs> that the Packers made. Take a year off and force their hand. 
And I mean, it sounds like a ridiculous thing to do, but then again, this dude doesn't even talk to his parents. So could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Who, uh, who else we got on the list? Uh, Cam Jordan at number 23 from Cal also went to the same high school as me. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely super happy about this. He has gotten better every single year. He's not the most physically intimidating guy. He doesn't have the greatest technique in the entire world. And I wouldn't even put him as one of the top guys as far as motor, but he does like a B plus job at absolutely everything. And he has ingratiated himself to the new Orleans community in, in a way that, you know, maybe only Drew Brees has like he, he, they love him there. He's done a lot for the community. Uh, he's a really good dude. And I love the fact that he's a top 25 player. And if I'm Cal, I am hitting the ground running marketing that we have two top 25 players in the NFL right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dude, they already pimp, uh, Aaron, Aaron Rogers, dude. When, um, when, when, when they put out, Oh, Cal players have the, some of the most NFL contract money. Yeah. Cause Aaron Rodgers just signed for a huge deal. And so did Cam Jordan in the, in the same season. If you add up all the rest, yeah. it's not quite as much. So did Kyle Bowler before they had rookie contract structures. So if they want to throw that money in there as well, they, but then they have to talk about Kyle Bowler. Um, <laughs> Ooh, 20- I played in the All Star game with because we came out the same year. Is it true that he could that that the dude is like Uncle Rico with the ball that he could throw it further than anybody else? Dude, he he probably he probably has a stronger arm than than your Wyoming running back playing quarterback for the Bills. Lies. I won't stand for it. P.S. He made the top 100. Oh, which was, was trash. Which was trash. Hey, talk, to your, talk to your people in the NFL fraternity making these votes. You have these people's phone numbers. You can handle this. Dude, it's... You, it's, you need to tell... If you feel that way, you need to tell them. Because right now, what they're telling well, you is, Ralph is correct. These are the same people that voted for the CBA in general. So, I don't trust them. <laughs> um, so Here's my, my biggest surprise on the list. Number 28 overall. One of the top DBs in the entire league. Still, Richard Sherman of Stanford. Really? 28. Can you believe that? Mm. Mm, mm, mm. It, it seems a bit high for such a guy so old. I think so too, but then again, they put Larry Fitzgerald on here at 69. So maybe it's just a respect for the resume? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a. I mean, Sherman did have a good year this year, a bounce back, but then it came. You know, he's getting in fights with Darrell Revis about man corner versus own corner. But but he is a wily veteran, so I'm okay with that. Who else we got? Uh, the very first Oregon representation on the list, number 53, is DeForest Buckner. Boom. Go Ducks. And you just you like got that, You like that one? You think that's... Yeah, dude, he he's a beast. He's one of the better defensive ends in the defensive end slash tackles in the league. Versatile, yeah, and he he ended up getting traded to the to the occult. So, you know, but he got his bread, so that's fine. 
I did skip one. At 53, we got Marcus Peters, and he is a Husky, right? He's he's a Washington Husky. Uh, yeah, and I guarantee they claim him even though they kicked him out of school. <laughs> well, they would now, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I would. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, we got the honorary Pac-12 player who I always confuse for a Washington alumni, even though he went to Kansas State. Uh, Tyler Lockett at 65. Um, I, w- I refuse to admit that I'm wrong, and so we will just continue calling him a member of the Pac-12, even though he's not. Uh, who else do we got on here? Um, I'm sure that I'm skipping somebody. Keenan Dude. Allen? Yes, from Cal. Okay, so Cal, Cal's got the most Pac-12 representation on this list. He's at number seven, 77. Uh, UCLA's Eric Kendricks, 83. Okay. Uh, and he's only like a third-year guy. Yeah, Zach Ertz is a Stanford guy, right? He's number 85. I hate Zach Ertz. I think he's a fabulous player, but but I, I, I sports hate him. I don't actually hate him. I just sports hate him. Like the way I hate Tyus Edney. Great person. Tyus Edney's a great human being. I've, I've met him multiple times, went to a wedding with him, all this stuff. But I sports hate him. I did not want... Like I didn't like UCLA basketball at the time. And so when he made the shot against Missouri, it was like, ew. You know who I sports hate, and I've never had a reason for it, but I like legitimately hate this person, is uh, Steve Blake, the basketball player from Maryland. No idea. No idea. I get mad just thinking about him, and I have no reason for it. None. And he became an assistant coach on the Phoenix Suns, and I was like, great. Now I have to deal with him even more. But deal with what? He's an assistant coach. They're never going to interview him. I'm never going to see his face. And then they just fired him. And I was like, yes. And then I was like, why am I celebrating a man losing his job when I have literally nothing against him? I just, I don't know. I just have always, every time they put him in a game, especially when he was in Denver, for some reason, that was like the height of it. And I never, I don't have a reason for it. He just, I boo him every time he is on the court. And now he's going to be like a head coach of an NBA team someday. And, uh, I, I, I got to let it go, probably. Um, who else we got on here? Uh, 97, Buda Baker, which I feel is a little high, and I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan, and and, and uh, he did make a Pro Bowl last year, and I think if you're on a Pro Bowl, maybe you should be on this list. But, yeah, he, he kind of rounds it out at, at number number 97. But I, I think that if you look at this list, the, the school that should be the most proud of what's going on here is Cal, and unless I skip somebody, which is very possible, the um, the one that should be, oh yeah, the one that should be most embarrassed is uh, is USC because I don't see a lot of representation from the Trojans, and they're supposed to be the um, school. I guess Tyron Smith. Tyron Smith's on here. Tyron Smith's on here a lot lower than he should be. He's at number 78. Oh, see? You see they are rep- represented. They got something. Um, oh, now it is time, though, Ralph, for our favorite new game. Favorite new game. It is time for Start, Sit, and Cut. Today, we are going to start, sit, and cut a couple of items. We are going to 
uh, start, sit, and cut the uh, fast food restaurants in Pac-12 college towns. So we will start with Pac-12 college towns. Who are you start? Which town are you starting, Ralph? Which town are you sitting in? Which town are you cutting? Let's start with starts. Oh, I don't think you're going to like this, man. Um, are, are we factoring in the college campus? Or are we talking about everything? Uh, just what, whatever your rationale is. Oh, man. I'm I'm a big fan of a lot of these, and we ranked the cities uh, at one time way back in the beginning of us doing this podcast. And since then, I've had the the chance to get to know a couple of them a little bit more, and maybe my order will have changed. But if if I'm starting a city, if I'm saying this city is representative of the Pac-12, like this is the one that we should hold up in high esteem um, above all others, it's going to be Seattle, Washington. What? Seattle, Washington. Pre-Chaz, pre-Chaz, or I guess post-Chaz, since it's gone. Um, but yeah, the, the, I mean, the, Seattle's got everything, man. It's got absolutely everything. It's got city, it's got mountains, it's got, you know, fair enough weather. Even though it's a big city, the fans still come out in force, which is something that people tell me can't happen in LA and Tempe, but Seattle, Washington proves them wrong time in and time out which i absolutely love the campus isn't the best campus but it's pretty good um and yeah that that's that's all you need they have everything the food is good there's jobs there's 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 fans there's uh, the environment's great the weather's reasonable the only thing i hate about seattle is every street has some long weird ass name and it's one way and there are too many cars parked on the street and if you have your gps pulled up it literally can't get the name out fast enough before you have to do something like if you can't if you can't just drive those streets without a gps on you will end up punching a hole through your dashboard that's my biggest complaint with seattle but i I do i do really like it there i rather enjoy the city of Seattle. However, you said college town, Ralph. So there is only one college town that is truly representative of college towns that any city, well, any college town in any college in America would be happy to have what's going on there. And that's the city of Eugene because it's not big, it's not fancy. However, the the love and support from the community, the way they show up and sell out, the the commitment to the fans to all the extracurricular, like there, everybody there is a duck fan. It is the definition of a college town, and the world stops when the ducks are playing. You could drop them in any conference. And nobody would say uh, their fans are kind of weak. Their stadium is not very loud. You know what I mean? Like they're going to represent any uh, school that comes to come there and play. They're going to be, oh wow, it's that's a memorable place to play. That's no knock on Seattle because I do like Seattle, 
the Washington fans are rabid. They are, you know, they are, I would, I would say they are top tier Pac-12 fans for sure. I would, I would say Oregon, then I would say probably Washington, Colorado fans are good. Uh, yeah, so I, I would put them up there. So, but I'm starting Eugene, Ralph. Who, okay. are, you, who are you sitting? Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> Tucson is, uh, it's better than people give it credit for. Uh, there, there's actually some some kind of hidden gem stuff to do around Tucson. The 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 scene has gotten a little bit younger uh, recently. They got a decent little downtown, some nice bars. Um, there's people that have written Tucson off permanently that won't even entertain the idea that it's gotten better. But it is still the most annoying city in Arizona to drive in. Um, it is hot as hell. Uh, and the campus isn't all that great and neither is the city comparatively to most other Pac-12 cities. Um, I do not mind the stadium, even though it's a little bit old and, um, and, and not, uh, comparatively as, as well kept up. I think it's got its own kind of flavor and environment. And they do have a restaurant called EG's <laughs> that I'm a big fan of. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting Tucson. It doesn't deserve to be in this conversation. So I'm putting it on the bench. I can't argue there, but I am sitting the city that I live in. I'm sitting Los Angeles because I love the city of Los Los Angeles couldn't really see myself living on like most of the year anywhere else really however as far as the sports go oh los angeles fans are awful it, it, it's just it just doesn't like ucla which i have season tickets to it's just not rabid everybody's kind of laissez-faire quesera sarah whatever will be will be it like they get upset, but it's not like life changing uh, upset. Like it's not going to ruin your entire week. So yeah, L.A. I the reason why I sit it instead of cut it is because I live here and I love the city. But I cut it as a Pac twelve. I'm sorry, I sit it as a Pac twelve. You know, college town. All right. Who are you uh, so now we're getting down. Uh, Eugene, Oregon. What? How could you possibly cut the freaking best of fans in all of the Pac-12? Explain it to me. I respect the fans. I mean, it's not, I just I'm, I don't care for the city. I, when I because I've been I've been to Eugene a couple of times, and I will say this: Autzen in Eugene reminds me of parking a Lambo outside a trailer. Comfortable saying as someone who is from a town similar to Eugene, just minus the Lambo outside the trailer. I feel pretty comfortable saying that. (laughs) Dude, I'm so upset with you. I am cutting the city of Tempe because it's not Phoenix. 
Phoenix has more stuff going on. Oh, come on, dude. Don't say anything nice about Phoenix. They don't deserve it. <laughs> is where it's at. No, dude. Uh, Scottsdale is where it's at. Um, I've lived in Arizona my whole life. I don't know a single person who lives in Phoenix. They tell me there's 1.5 million people that live in Phoenix. I don't know any of them. Not a single one. Everyone lives in sub-suburb of Phoenix. But everyone just refers to all of it as as Phoenix. And I don't understand that. I don't know a single person, and I never have, that is actually a Phoenix resident. And I know that after this podcast, I'm going to get a bunch of text messages and emails from people, including like my mother-in-law who lives in a neighborhood called Awatuki that came up with their own name for their section of the city because they didn't want to be referred to as living in Phoenix because that's how much Phoenix is uh, disrespected by the people that actually live here. Yeah, I don't care what you say about Tempe. I'm a Chandler guy, but like you can't, you can't put Phoenix above Tempe. You can't do that. I just, I just did it. Just like, just like you threw Eugene under the bus. Hey, hey I, I said you got a Lamborghini there. Uh, <laughs> all right. The next start sick cut fast foods. Who are you starting? You got to go first on this one. Okay. Okay. I'm starting Chick-fil-A. It's an easy start. The people are great. The food is fantastic. The, the breakfast, people don't know this, but you can actually get the, the uh, chicken biscuit, add egg to it, and you can actually get the spicy filet instead of the breakfast filet, which makes it even better. Or you can get the little chicken minis with the, on the little sweet bun. Fantastic, dude. It, it, like there's, they give you as many condiments as you as you want. The food is always hot and good. They have lemonade, fresh lemonade, bro. Chick fil A. I there's no way you can start anybody but Chick fil A. Yeah, watch me, Popeyes. What, dude? The, the, the service at Popeyes is like that of a third world country. <laughs> Charge you for extra sauce. Hey, so you're talking about personality. You gonna say that Michael Jordan had a rosy personality? No, he didn't. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. They bring it and they bring it seven days a week, George. Six days a week is what makes Chick-fil-A so great because if you don't go, if, because how many times have you woken up on a Sunday and like, oh, I want to go to Chick-fil-A? You're like, it's closed. A lot. That's a terrible experience. <laughs> but when you drive by it on Tuesday, aren't you stopping? Uh, no, because you might not be able to. That Chick-fil-A being closed on Sunday is like tapping your wife on the shoulder at 10.30 p.m. and she's too tired. <laughs> You don't get that moment back. You just are left with the pain. Popeyes, I, here, I, I want you to go to Popeyes. I want you to get one of their apple pies. And and, and, and then you'll never know. had a, a Popeyes apple pie. 
and that so that's why you picked Chick Fil A. What are you talking about? I can get all sorts of milkshakes there, which are better than apple pies. FYI, not on Sunday. You can't. <laughs> um, I am sitting. I'm sitting five guys. You you put your sit position as somebody who you just you know is is, is on the outs. I put five guys in a sit position because it's not fast enough. I have to get out of my car to go to fast to 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 go to five guys. And I may place my order ahead of time the way it's ready when I get there, but they don't always make everything until you get there. They like drop the fries again because they double fry them after you get there. So then it takes a little while longer, but five guys is the best fast food burger place period. Uh, but yeah. they just they just do enough stuff to upset you that you got to put them on the bench. Yep, exactly. Five, I'm I'm not gonna lie. Five Guys pisses me off sometimes because for a my family of six to eat there, it's at least fifty dollars. That shouldn't happen at a fast food place. My favorite thing at, at Five Guys is the hot dog. Right? Do you know how hard it is for me to say the sentence? I love getting a hot dog from Five Guys. It is legitimately my favorite place to get a hot dog. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but it, also, the hot dog with, is like six fifty. Why? The fry, like, give me less fries and charge me a decent amount because you're killing me. You're killing the arteries, filling a whole bag. I sit at Five Guys and I eat like seventeen handfuls of peanuts just to justify the cost. Dude, they, they give you a billion fries to justify the burger cost or the hot dog cost. And they they have the stupid um, what's the what's the soda machine that uh, remix or rewind whatever it is that you get all the same sodas out of the same spout. So you get whatever soda you want plus like three or four drops of whatever the person before you had. Oh, see, I when I uh, hit hit soda machines, I really don't drink soda too much. But if I have to get something out of there, I let it run for a good second or two before I stick my cup underneath. That's smart. That's smart. I I, I got to try that. But I'm I'm gonna sit uh I'm gonna sit Taco Bell for this bullcrap they did with the menu. What are you talking about? They just eliminated a bunch of a bunch of stuff off their menu. Um, I I'm 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 pretty. Faithful to Taco Bell, I go every time they roll out some new nonsense, like when they cheese dust some French fries and they put ten million dollars behind a marketing campaign um, to get you to come try the cheese dusted French fries. I go and I get them, and they're okay, not super satisfying. And then I I don't go back till they introduce something new. I always go and try the new things, um, but they did have this one thing a beef Mexi melt, which is essentially just like a soft taco with tomatoes that they heated up in a microwave. Sounds disgusting, but I've been eating it ever since I was five years old. And about a year ago, they got rid of it. Uh, and they keep getting rid of stuff off the menu. Um, and they, they, everybody gets mad about what McDonald's does with the McRib. That's how Taco Bell treats their entire menu. They just are things are temporarily on you it. Are, you are you are too invested in Taco Bell, brother. I'm not too invested. I'm benching Taco Bell. 
I'm <laughs> never going back to Taco Bell. Plus, I live in Arizona. The fact that I ever go to Taco Bell in the first place is ridiculous. Yes. The Mexican food here is incredible, uh, but sometimes you just need to be cheap and quick. And uh, now I can't even get the stuff I like there, and that pisses me off. Oh, dude, I don't. And so, side note, I don't fool with Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex is trash. Um, I am sitting Shake Shack. I'm sorry, I'm cutting Shake Shack. Shake Shack fries suck, first and foremost. Their burgers are pretty good. Last time I was there, they overcooked my chicken sandwich. Shake Shack is not in and out. It's like, I like fresh fries. If you give me frozen fries, I'm I'm not really feeling it. So that's why Chick-fil-A is higher. Um, Five Guys is the ultimate fry. Shake Shack's fries are just eh. and and the burger is tiny, like it should be like thirty percent bigger. And yeah, Shake Shack is an East Coast thing that's migrating to to the West. It's just not. It's just not the deal. It's just not it. And then if I had a nuke, I would nuke Burger King because the Whopper is just devolved from what yeah. it was. You stole my thunder. I'm 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 cutting Burger King. Uh, cause I feel like there was a time when it was okay. That weird tasting, weird shaped chicken sandwich was something I used to like. And now that's gross. Um, their fries are below average. They had that weird bun that turned your poop black. That was what? unnecessary. You never heard about that? No. I need you right now to add to your weird Google history, Burger King poop black bun <laughs> okay I'm gonna throw. I guess I got it wrong green why the black whopper turns your poop green they put the whopper on a black bun for no reason and people started taking green shits <laughs> oh, dude, that's the funny. experience was incredibly unnecessary everything they do Somebody else does better. Everything. Shakes, desserts. I'm not really a burger person. I don't really like burgers, but you get a better burger at Wendy's for sure. Um, The fries are not good. Uh, I'm not into Whoppers. Um, I think my my wife kind of likes them, but even she's uh, off it. Um, No. If if you're going to get a burger, a fast food burger, there's, there's a lot of better places to go. You know, I've never actually had Shake Shack. And now I probably never will, thanks to you. Yep. That is a okay. All right. So that is start, sit, cut. Um, moving on to the um, recruiting commitments. What do we have since the last episode in terms of commits in the Pac 12? Because it hasn't been a super busy week, but what do we have? Well, so what I'm trying to figure out is when's the last time we recorded? Because it is Wednesday the 29th, and I feel like, was it Tuesday the 21st? Okay, so that's going to... Well, first of all, Arizona State added 10 commits in 10 days from nine different states. What do you think about that? What do you think about that just national... I want to see if they, can, if, if, if they can close them in this pan pandemic. I will 
respect them, that'll be big time. But I, I just don't understand. Like, it's not like you're getting four star recruits. So, like, why are like okay? You've made the point. You've made this point. We don't know what the ratings of all these kids should be because none of them got seen this summer. Yeah. None of them. So I don't know what to I, I don't know what to make of it. ASU's whole thing, and you made a joke about this on t- on Twitter, was they just wanted they just got a bunch of tall kids. Yeah, d- dude, they are going to win the intramural championship team for for sure. They dude, even the kicker is six one. I, I just. I mean, at a point to me, you get too tall to play foot, football, but well, whatever. I mean, because some of these kids are still going to grow unless they're all holdbacks. I mean, they got six, 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 seven, six, five. I'm like, where the hell are you putting all these giants? Yeah, it's Did a, you it, have I, any knee bend? <laughs> we'll find out. They did finally. They were the 12th Pac-12 team to add an in-state commit. They got a dude uh, named Isaiah Glass. Um, from Queen Creek High School out here in the far southeast valley. His dad played O-line at ASU. He's somebody that I thought was going to be a defensive lineman, and then they moved him to tight end, and then he just kept growing. Uh, and I think he can make a pretty good O-line um, recruit. Uh, we have two additions for the University of Arizona. I mean, I, I guess I could go into more detail about what happened at Arizona State, but just trust me, they got 10 dudes in 10 days from nine states. It's pretty wild. We'll see how it shakes out. They said they weren't going to go national. They ultimately ended up going national, which I think is probably the right thing to do because Herm Edwards is a national brand. You, that's the thing about Herm Edwards, being a military brat and an NFL guy, he fits in anywhere. There's not anybody in this country that he couldn't have a comfortable conversation with. And when it was Todd Graham, he had a Todd Graham appealed to a very specific subset of of people, a lot of these coaches are regionally equipped. <laughs> Herm Edwards is not. You know, he's all over the place. And then you got Antonio Pierce, who obviously you know is from California, spent a bunch of time in New York. So I, they think they can go coast to coast. What we're seeing a lot from University of Arizona, on the other hand, is they are dipping heavy into Louisiana. I think they just landed their third, fourth commit from Louisiana. Uh, Jamarion Peterson, 6'2", 225 pounds. I think they were his only Power 5 offer. Uh, And then they also got Jaquez Harvey. And this is a commitment that I wasn't even really aware of until I looked him up just now. He committed yesterday. He is a three-star defensive end from Locke High School in L.A. Do you know where that is, George? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly where where Locke is. I've, I've gone there speaking before to some kids there. Okay, so he actually, um, this is somebody that they actually did beat out a few other schools like Colorado, Kansas, and ASU for. So, um, and he is a 6'3", 240-pound defensive end out of L.A. Uh, let's, I'm just checking these teams one by one um, to see if anybody pulled in anybody in the last week. It looks like we got a couple commitments for the University of Colorado Ryan Williams from Perlin, Texas, six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds. Kind of reminds me of what Lecky Fotu came into the University of Utah at. Um, and they also got a defensive back who is unrated, unevaluated, 
this is what happens because you don't have a chance to see. You know, Rivals doesn't have a chance to see all these kids in person. They got a defensive back named Trevor Woods out of Katy, Texas. And uh, Colorado, I was wondering for a minute, were they going to be able to dip back into Texas because they had such a strong connection over the previous two coaching staffs? And here they are. They just pulled two kids right out of Texas. Trevor Woods is a six foot, 290 pound uh, defensive back, a white defensive back, by the way. <laughs> Okay. Kind of, this is this has become strangely racial, um, but he is uh, he had he had offers from all over the country, including the University of Arizona, and then uh, like I said, they got a six foot five, two hundred and fifty pound defensive tackle uh, as part of this class. And Ryan Williams is out of Perland, Texas, big dude, but his only other offer was Texas Southern, and uh, he is from just south of Houston. So it'll be really interesting to see. Um, how some of these rankings shake out because Trevor Woods isn't their only unevaluated commit. They also have uh, Trustin Oliver, a defensive back from Iowa, who has no evaluation either. It's definitely a weird time to work at Rivals or 24-7 or ESPN because you just don't know, you know, if if you're, you're giving the right grade to people, how they've grown. Uh, or anything like that. It, there's going to be a lot of kids who blow up as seniors playing in the spring after everyone's locked down their class. That's going to make these schools like Oklahoma and Ohio State wish that maybe they had left two or three spots open, you know? Yep. Um, your Ducks got a commitment from Christian Burkhalter out of Alabama. This kid is ma- – this is a massive human being. Yeah. Six foot five, 220-pound athlete. Had you heard what they plan on using this kid for? Um, I am getting the vibe and I, 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 t- I, I forgot to touch base with my guy AJ Jacobson out at Duck Sports Authority but that they view him as a Dion Jordan type oh yeah, yeah, yeah. outside linebacker yeah, like an outside linebacker Russian type deal yeah P.S. P.S. I would have loved to see Oregon keep Dion Jordan at tight end but that's another subject for another day he was a um, first round draft pick what it was a first round draft pick. It did not, um, he, he, and they tried to make him a, 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 a what a four three defensive end out in Miami. Idiots! Um, no wonder that franchise is perennial garbage. Um, but like, I'm, I'm I'm bitter, but I'll get over it. Uh, Oregon State landed a pretty decent defensive end commitment, three star Omarion Famo out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, which maybe next week we'll get into the fact that uh, maybe next week we'll talk a little bit about the last season of Last Chance U and how Oregon State has benefited from uh, Laney College. That would be an interesting thing to get into. Um, but they, they add a little bit of defensive line help, um, so that's, that's pretty big for them because they're lagging behind everybody else in recruiting right now. Um, let's check on... Uh, Washington State to see if they have added anyone recently. They did. Fred Tompkins out of San Francisco, California, a linebacker, six foot one, two hundred and thirty-five pounds. He had offers from a really weird array of schools: Buffalo, East Carolina, Florida Atlantic, Liberty, Memphis, a bunch of schools on uh, the East Coast. Which makes me think that it's very possible that before he was out at City College of San Francisco, he was a JUCO kid, that maybe he had some connections out there because the only offer that he has received from anybody west of the Mississippi 
um, besides Washington State is UNLV. So uh, definitely, definitely interesting for somebody who's getting recruited by mostly East Coast schools to come out here and then, you know, but then again, that was, that was his only power five attention. And sometimes that's the most important thing to, uh, to a player is making sure that they're at the most prestigious yeah. uh, place. Even though I could make an argument for Memphis, I think Memphis could come into the Pac-12 and win nine years over here. Um, let's see here. University of Washington did not have any commits. Take a look at the USC Trojans for the last week. They're in the same boat. They're still sitting at 18 commitments. No change for them. UCLA, uh, the, the Bruins, whose recruiting class has been very interesting thus far, has not had a commitment since July 9th. So they've, they've gone a couple of weeks. Uh, and uh, the, the, the school that's lagging behind everybody is Stanford, but they did what they do. They added a tight end who will probably turn into a, a, a first-round pick. Believe it or not, this is only a three-star tight end and not the usual four- or five-star that they pull in, but he is on the all-time main team. His name is Shield Taylor, like as in Captain America Shield Taylor. He's from Alexandria, Louisiana, six foot four, 230 pounds, also had offers from Arkansas and University of Arizona. Um, as far as evaluations go, that is not the caliber of tight end that um, that the Cardinal are used to pulling in. So that's kind of uh, that's kind of interesting. And I, I don't know, man. Is that is that everybody? We touched on everybody. I, I think I hit the Washington schools. Um, the one school that uh, I, I did I leave out Cal. I don't remember if I I touched on Cal. Uh, let's see. Uh, what, so we do, uh, Cal six foot six, 330 pound offensive lineman named Ryan Lang out of Pittsburgh, California. Um, Pittsburgh, California is the home to a lot of talented football players in the North central area of, uh, of California. And believe it or not, it was Angus McClure doing the recruiting Angus McClure, who had spent the last couple of years at university of Nevada back in the pac 12, doing some damage. He lands Ryan Lang over Arizona and Arizona state and Colorado State, which is our uh, most recent college to have a massive outbreak of COVID-19 infections. Um, yeah, so that's the uh, that's a recruiting update for the Pac-12 this week. I shouldn't have said, I, I should have let him believe I was a Wildcat, because I don't think Utah fans have any problems with U of A, but U, Utah and ASU fans have, have not had a good run the last couple of years. And I don't make it. I I don't help because I I my rivalry. I love the state of Utah, and I Wasatch Brewery is um, as someone who is allergic to beer. I can only drink the blueberry Hefeweizen from Wasatch Brewery without you know anything else makes me break out in hives. And uh, and and I I very much love Bear Lake and Garden City and and uh, and Park City. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. Utah is beautiful. I hate the Utah Jazz though. Oh, speaking of Utah, I sent you the, the the screenshot that Utah Pig Bus followed me on Twitter. Oof, that is that is an all time Twitter meltdown. Uh, if if you are not aware of it, there is a person who has a popular Utah sports Twitter account. We talked um, about it on which episode? Yeah, he runs a food truck, and his idea, which was an interesting idea. Um, 
probably should have stayed on the shelf, though, was to use the N-word as many times as he possibly could in order to take the stigma away from Morgan Scally using it. Um, and, and is an all-time Hall of Fame meltdown. And the fact that he follows you now, maybe he'll listen to this podcast. And uh, to him I say, don't ever do that again. <laughs> 100% agree with that sentiment. Uh, the last thing that we have up is... Edgar Barola. Dude, I don't want to talk about this. Okay. Okay. Well, we should we not I mean we I mean oh should we just stick to the football side of it? I mean okay. it's important. We will all right, here here's here's what we should do. I think the most objective thing to do is for us to wait until we get more information. Because Edgar Barola so Give, give the people the highlight, the 30,000 foot view version, and then we will try to okay. gather more facts for next episode to give you something substantial that we can either, you know, like have a take on or, uh, you know, have more concrete information about. Yeah, I not only do I hate this story, I called you about this story the moment that I saw it because it was like. It, it just touches on a bunch of weird side conversations you and I have on the phone all the time. Um, Edgar Barola is somebody who started six games on the offensive line for University of Arizona last year. Um, he is somebody from Desert Pines High School in Nevada. He committed to U of A along with Tony Fields, who's probably going to be one of their best returning defensive players and has since decided to transfer out of the Pac-12 altogether. Edgar uh, bought himself a house down in Tucson and was using his stipend money to pay his mortgage. And he is also somebody that believes very strongly that the COVID crisis is overblown. Uh, He also believes a lot of weird conspiracy theory stuff that we'll leave out of the conversation for the time being. He violated the protocol that was put in place by Kevin Sumlin and the staff several times. He's admitted to it. He's admitted to not wearing a mask. He's admitted to being put on quarantine and going out to get a meal two different times. Going out to get a meal once and then helping somebody move another time. Um, he, uh, he, he's been pretty wild on Twitter for the last three months, if I'm being honest. And he solicited the help of like a social justice, uh, social media account that's pretty popular down in Tucson to say that the Wildcats reduced his scholarship and cut off his meal plan because he didn't feel safe playing under the conditions um, that are in place. Now, there's a lot going on here. Thing number one. Edgar Barola had tweeted that he thought COVID was not real. Now he's saying that he believes that it's real, but it's overblown, and that the real part of it is being mishandled by University of Arizona. He believes that masks shouldn't be super necessary, that um, the players should be taking hydroxychloroquine because of stuff he read on the internet. Um, He also, I guess, had a shoulder injury misdiagnosed that he had to, his family had to pay out of pocket to get a labrum surgery that they told him was a bone bruise. So he doesn't trust the same medical staff that misdiagnosed his shoulder injury to handle the COVID stuff. Um, And 
the the thing about it that could really blow this up and make it a national story is this guy is essential not he's not a pro-trump conservative he's pro-trump for a whole list of other reasons that get into some weird conspiracy theory territory but he is pro-trump like he 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 um he is pro-Trump, and I think a national media outlet could look at this and say, you have somebody who's pro-Trump who's taking the things that Trump talks about, and he's getting punished for his political beliefs. But he has admitted to he broke protocol, and because of that, they're taking his money away. He says he's afraid that he's not going to be able to pay his mortgage. He's not able to be on a meal plan. He's gone back to Nevada to work in roofing to be able to pay his bills. He's currently suspended from the team. We'll find out if it's permanent or not. But he's like tagging his coaches on Twitter and on social media and fighting with journalists. He did a local news show uh, down here. He's talked to different people. We had had touched base with him. We had talked about potentially having him on this podcast. I don't think that's a good idea. Um, Not that part of his... The part that's legitimate is that like the doctors need to be on top of this. The part that's illegitimate is that he believes that the doctors are not on top of this, not only because of his experience, but because he has political beliefs that are steeped in some pretty weird conspiracy theories that are affecting the way that he's looking at everything that's going on right now. It's not to say that some of his points aren't legitimate about whether or not University of Arizona should be approaching things the way that they're approaching things. Those concerns can still be legitimate despite the source for his concerns being very, very sketchy. I want to see how this plays out. I feel like it could blow up into a national, super weird, politicized thing. I think someone jokingly tagged him and said like, hey, Clay Travis, you need to have this dude on. And he like retweeted. He's all for it. He's all for the attention. Uh, This is a 21-year-old who I think is into some stuff that he doesn't fully understand. And it could get weird and ugly real quick, or they could reconcile and they could figure things out, which is what I'm hoping for. But as it stands right now, you got a kid who believes some very questionable things, allowing those beliefs to dictate his attitude toward his school. But his attitude toward his school might can it might contain some legitimate concerns, especially when it comes down to whether or not you trust the doctors after they misdiagnosed you for a serious injury. Yeah. I don't know. I think that there is way more to get to with that. But with that being said, we thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles. We appreciate your time. Appreciate your energy. Uh, Make sure that you share with a friend. Tell a friend about the Pac-12 Apostles. Peace out. Catch you guys next episode.